At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, June the 13th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well, welcome into. Another edition of the show, just a couple hours after the Mets took two out of three from the San Diego Padres this weekend. Disappointing loss here on this Sunday. Mets uh, a little shorthanded in the bullpen. Some questionable moves about uh, regarding the bullpen decisions by Luis Rojas. But uh, all things being said, what a great weekend of baseball. Great weather. Uh, Mets taking two out of three from one of the better teams in the National League. And really... Uh, where we are now, you know, as we come out of the let's survive and advance mindset type of situation with the makeshift Mets, the replace the Mets, as we head into the heart of June here, the Mets, uh, what are they, 32 and 25 now? They are seven games over 500. They're six up in the loss column on the Phillies, three games back. Uh, the Phillies are three games back. Miami's, uh, Atlanta's actually eight games back. And Miami and Washington are double digits back in the loss column. I'm talking about the loss column here. Believe it or not, the Mets are at a point where it's time to make a run. They didn't just survive the makeshift Mets and the replace the Mets. McNeil is a, a, a week away. J, uh, Conforto not too far away. I'm still concerned about Nimmo and J.D. Davis, but the emergence of Billy McKinney and how Peraza and some of the, the bench mob like Pilar and Villar have come through, make me feel comfortable with those guys taking a little bit more time. I'm particularly worried about Nimmo because it looks like he has a 
torn ligament there. But funny as it is to say, here we are, the range of emotions that we've gone through from the middle of May right after the Tampa series when McNeil and Conforto go down, and it's like, are there danger signs ahead? Is this about to collapse? How can the Mets just hang in there and just, you know, not get buried to not only surviving with the makeshift lineup, but thriving and learning a little bit about guys like Billy McKinney and Jose Peraza, guys that are pieces maybe of a uh, of a bench that could give guys a day off when everybody's healthy and, and potentially even, in some cases, provide better defense in the late innings because that's one of the biggest surprises from the Mets this year is their defense, albeit positioning has something to do with it, but I think you could clearly see that guys like VR and Peraza – uh, you know, McKinney in the outfield are upgrades over uh, what was there before, uh, you know, with Nimmo, uh, so to speak, and even Mason Williams in center. So funny how we get into this stretch where now the Mets, uh, there are no more days off, you know, provided that the weather cooperates and there's no more COVID shutdowns. I don't think we'll see any COVID shutdowns anymore. I think that that's way in the past. About 29 uh, games in 28 days, a couple of doubleheaders coming up later this month. And believe it or not, I think the Mets are well positioned because of the seven inning games. It actually, those games help the Mets in a crazy way because they're not going deep into the game with their starters. You saw that with Luke Casey today, and that's going to be a big problem. I think even with Peterson getting knocked out early, Luke Casey, they won't go the third time around the lineup. You may even see, you know, big sigh relief. Jacob deGrom is feeling okay from the tendonitis, but Let's face it, Jacob DeGrom is probably an 80-pitch pitcher right now. I mean, that's that's probably where he is. They're not going to push him. I mean, hopefully you see him get to 100 at some point, but I don't think you're going to see Jacob DeGrom go much more north of 100 pitches here in the regular season. I don't think you're going to see that. And I think the doubleheaders, the seven-inning doubleheaders, are actually a helpful thing for the Mets because uh, it's – Four less in a doubleheader, it's four less innings they have to worry about that they have to go out there and plug and bridge the gap. And with Stroman and with Degrom, if they pitch on any of those games, you very likely could get a complete game, something that doesn't happen. So crazy as it sounds, here we are. We're talking about the Mets, uh, you know, making a run. Guys are getting healthy. There are going to be some decisions to make. I expect with McNeil coming back, I think Brandon Drury, who actually has options will be the first to go. And then I think when Conforto comes back, Mason Williams will be sent down. Now, Mason Williams is out of option, so it's very possible he'll be picked up. I think Billy McKinney, uh, who has no options, even though he has uh, only a little over a year of service time, the Mets have a bunch of control on him, uh, There's they'd lose him if they try to sneak him through waivers. So I think you may have, all, out of all of these replacement Mets, found something here. And then the interesting thing is Peraza, who has been such a nice uh, component piece you know, when J.D. Davis returns, he may, and I think he, it looks like he has an option. I'm on roster resource. He may go back down, uh, and that's good because, um, you know, you want to be able to, uh, you know, keep him in the organization at least for the rest of this year and possibly uh, bring him back up in September at some point, or you might need him depending on the health of various individuals. So there's a lot of decisions to be made, but what really is fun to see here is – this is what it's all about. You know, you go out there, you build a team in the offseason, you talk about roster building, you speculate, you have all those during a cold winter day, all those dreams of what a team could be. And 
to see this weekend how the fans are coming back. I think there was like 30,000 or close to 30,000 on either Friday or Saturday. They're not quite raucous level, like playoff level city field level yet. Maybe not like the Nats series back in August of 2019. But the energy is back. You got the seven line out in center field. You got fans doing the wave, which I know may annoy some people, but it doesn't matter. At this point, I can't criticize the fans because after all we've been through, at this time last year, we had no idea if there was going to be a baseball season. We had no idea when the baseball season would resume. There was labor strife. There still is labor strife. Uh, And so many negative things going on around the world. Sports was completely, you know, was taken away from us. So now that it's coming back and that access to ballparks is coming back, I think there's a better appreciation by the fans for that. Uh, I hope to believe that the players will appreciate appreciate it more. I know that there's going to be some interesting dynamics with the Players Association and the owners this offseason, and I wonder if there is labor strife, how the fans will react to it, especially considering that, you know, you learn to live without something, and sometimes when that happens, it's dangerous because you don't always come back. And even though I think there would be more potential for capacity and I don't know how it is with vaccinated sections and all that other stuff. I'm not really going to even get into that. I really don't care. Um, there is a capacity for a few more fans, maybe five, six, seven thousand more fans at City Field. They weren't there. I don't know if that's a part and parcel to health and safety. It probably is, or also to economically, people still, you know, out of work and potentially, you know, obviously the cost of things are going up exponentially. So. Disposable income is certainly going to be something that's uh, not necessarily going to be as bandied about as in other times. So we have to be careful here, but it's good to see the fans coming back, and it will be interesting, that dynamic, as we get later into uh, uh, the season. So we always talk about, well, now we're in, you know, what do the Mets need? And what's funny is, as I look at the challenge ahead with all these games in a short span of time, with the fact that they really are going to be relying on the bullpen, I think it might be necessary to get another bullpen arm. And it's going to be necessary to get another starter. And that's going to be the harder of the two. I'll tell you that. You'll get a bullpen arm. You'll get somebody. You'll get a veteran experienced bullpen arm. And I don't think it'll cost you a lot. But getting a starter is going to be rough. And it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were here talking. And I was like, you know, Carrasco's on the way back. Syndergaard is probably right behind him or right there with him. We're not expecting them to be top of the rotation, guys. They're going to be very helpful, but they're not saviors because the team is in good shape. And then you get a double whammy. You get, bam, Syndergaard's not rehabbing well from Tommy John. He's now probably not going to be back until September, if that at all. Bam, Carrasco's having trouble rehabbing that hamstring. You know, when you hear some kind of uh, platelet injections you're getting, that's never a good sign. Who knows when he's coming back? Now you're talking trade deadline, maybe. You know, it doesn't sound like he's anywhere close, and he's got to get rehab starts in. And let me tell you, you start getting into July, the minor league season goes into early September, but it goes by quick. You need some minor league starts under your belt. You know, I don't believe in simulated games. So now you're staring down the barrel of, well, you got these three really good starters DeGrom, Stroman, Taiwan Walker. I don't like the DeGrom tendonitis, but look. They're going to have to manage it. I know he's had uh, you know, ulnar nerve situations. Tommy John in his career, he was hurt back in 2016. Hopefully nothing's percolating. you got to trust that the guy knows how to take care of himself. 
The Mets certainly have been conservative with injuries, and they're going to be conservative with his pitch count. So as long as you have those three guys, okay, you'll navigate the back end. But it, that's going to get harder and harder, especially when you have the number of games in, a, in, in the number of days. There's no more. Like this week, you had two off days. So it's not as big of a deal when a David Peterson gets blown out, of, you know, gets his doors blown off, and he pitches a couple innings, and you got to have a bullpen game. Uh, it's going to become a big deal when you get, you're staring down the barrel of doubleheaders. Yeah, you got Yancy Diaz and Sean Reed Foley and maybe Zepucky. And I think I finally got his name right because I heard, I think, Gary Cohen say Zepucky that potentially could, you know, help. And uh, Tyler McGill is a name that we're starting to hear, although he's not on the 40-man, I believe. So, you know, that might be some kind of move that needs to be made there. I have to bring up the Mets 40-man at some point and, and see. But I, I, I think that he's not on the 40-man the, the, the so you have options, but, you know, guess what? Uh, you don't have experienced options, and all your options that are out there uh, at any point could be, uh, you know, blow, have their doors blown off in a given game. And I think what you saw out of Lucchese and how he has improved is so important. I think they got to start pushing starters. I understand. I was so angry about the DeGrom start in Arizona. You guys heard that on a prior show. And I was so angry on Friday when he first got taken out. But then I heard the rationale, and they want to play it safe, and it didn't sound like DeGrom was against being taken out, which is where the alarm bells went off even more for me. But I came to the realization after that start, I'm like, DeGrom is not going to go more than 80, 85 pitches. Now, he's so efficient that he could still do seven innings, but when you start to even now have DeGrom, DeGrom starts maybe 12 to 15 outs out of the bullpen, depending on how he goes. And Stroman, once he gets to the the, the the sixth, you know, the you know seventh inning, sixth seventh inning, you know that you know he's starting to expire out there on the mound. Believe it or not, Taiwan Walker's the guy that you think might be able to go deeper than all of them, and he's had a you know a, a checkered uh, injury history. So they are going to uh, rely on their bullpen. My fear is that their bullpen will get burnt out. They push Familia too much today. The what you saw this afternoon against the Padres. My fear is that that's kind of a harbinger of what could happen to this bullpen with overuse. And it starts with those two, those four and five spots of the rotation where Lucchese, it's just, hey, the Mets got to push him. Analytics be damned. Use common sense. You're down four guys in the bullpen. Peterson, very disappointed in him. Totally has taken a step back. Here's a guy that's had moxie in the past, was able to pitch through trouble. And what I see is a guy that is completely lost. Uh, and I keep hearing his stuff is good, process, this and that. But uh, he's non-competitive. And, and, and that's a concern. This, what's even more disappointing is that about a month or so ago in Tampa, when he went into the eighth inning and pitched that masterful game against the Rays, a team that was, who knew, would have, was, was just becoming hot as a pistol. When the Mets played them was kind of when they were starting to get really hot. So it wasn't like they were, it was a second division club. It was a, 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 a pennant-winning team on the road. And ever since then, it seems like he's been all over the map, and that's disappointing. So where do the Mets go? They have to go out and get a starter. And I know Jim Duquette was talking a little bit about this, but here, here's what I did. And I started to do this. And this is the exercise that I encourage you to do. So what you do is you go to fan graphs. First of all, you start looking at teams like the Pirates and... The Rockies and Texas and teams like that, and you start to say, hey, Detroit, you know those teams are going to be out of the race. They're going to be looking to make deals. And the only you're not going to get a top of the rotation starter. You're not going out and acquiring Zach Wheeler type. Let's face it. You know, not that they could get Zach Wheeler at this point. The Phillies are a contender. 
He's signed long-term. But you're not going to get a starter of that kind of impact. What you're going to get, and I think the poster child, or the poster boy, for the kind of starter the Mets could get is Kyle Gibson. And why do I say that? You're going to get a back-in-the-rotation guy, hopefully not signed to a long-term deal, not owed a tremendous amount of money, uh, a team willing to you know part with them for something of a... You'll probably have to give up a, some kind of prospect, but nothing... You know, you have to give up a lottery ticket, but not a, 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 a top prospect. And it's funny, all these years the Mets have had guys, especially guys on expiring contracts. I kept hearing how the Mets can't get anything because the guy's on expiring contract and no one's going to give up anything for him. Watch how the tune changes now. Well, the Mets are going to have to give up a lot to get him. Calm down. You know teams know that the Mets want to win. And they have a new owner whose edict is to win. But they also have a front office that, for all the, the criticism I could hurl at the analytic-driven dr- front office, they're not stupid, and they know value. And although they made their first big splash, and even Andy Martino was talking about this on a podcast, the Shea Anything podcast, the Lindor contract was, I don't think you could put a value to 10-year contracts in any kind of analytics because they're bad no matter what you look at. It was an emotional decision. It still was rooted in some kind of analytical base value in terms of dollars per year. They're going to do the same thing with starters. They're not just going to throw prospects out there win at all costs. They're not going to just throw an Alvarez or a Beatty or guys like that out there. I think uh, they're going to have to find the right mix of capital they're going to give up and return they're going to get. And I think Kyle Gibson, who's having a good year, 4-0, 2.13 ERA, historically has been slightly below league average pitcher, but he's a guy that in the you know American League Central was able to win 10 to 12 games. Uh, you know, look, he's a guy, historically, you look at his average year. His average year is, you know, 500 pitcher, four and a half ERA. Six innings, three runs. And maybe he comes over to the National League after pitching in the American League for, you know, almost 10 years. And sometimes those guys with the pitcher still in play light it up there in the second half. You never know. It's always tricky with deadline deals because... You don't know how those guys are going to adjust. And you really only have eight weeks if it happens on July 31st. You don't have a lot of time to figure it out. It's not like it's April. Well, you know, spend the first 60 days finding yourself. No, when you get a deadline acquisition, that's your piece that you need to get it done. Like I said, learning a team, we learned a lot about the Mets through Memorial Day and then some. Now we're, what does this team need? They need health and they're getting some of that back. They're getting a lot of that back. And they need a pitcher. And they probably need a reliever. And it would be nice, depending on the health of J.D. Davis and Nimmo specifically, maybe a bat would also be in play. But you know what? You can only get so much. And you only have so much prospect capital you could give up. And the Mets are trying to rebuild this farm system. So it may be one of those things where the best you're going to get out of the Mets that makes sense realistically is a Kyle Gibson type. You know, I, I look at like a Matthew Boyd. He's a guy that's still controllable. 30 years old, you know, he's he's still arbitration uh, eligible. You know, he's a guy that potentially like a Joe Musgrove could go over to the National League and, and with the Mets and maybe they could do something with him. Uh, Herman Marquez, get him out of Colorado. Now, he's signed to multiple years. Uh, you know, he's owed three more years. You know, you get a guy like Marquez, you're going to give up some prospect capital. And, you know, it's going to impact whether you could sign Stroman next year, Syndergaard. So you better be sure that you're right on this, and this guy coming out of Colorado has something. 
uh, you know, another guy I looked at, a veteran, who the, I think the Mets actually have had some interest over the last couple of off-seasons, Mike Miner. But, you know, Mike Miner's also signed to a multi-year deal. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's going to get $10 million next year and $13 million. Then that option in 2023 is a mutual option if he gets traded. So, uh, you know, he's kind of like Kyle Gibson. He's a league average pitcher. He's had a couple of years where he's done better. But I think Kyle Gibson, to me, is the name to watch. And I have no inside information, but that's the kind of pitcher the Mets could acquire. And look, if Carrasco comes back and replaces... Uh, and there's no... There's no Lucchese is right now making a case that when Carrasco comes back, it's Peterson that's getting sent down. You know, I right now, Peterson has a lot to prove over the next six weeks. And I'm not at all convinced Carrasco's going to be back by the by the tra- trade deadline. And I'm not sure what you're going to get out of Carrasco. Because now you've got, he's got to build himself up. He's got to find it. It's such a tough situation. All of this leads to more bullpen usage, more potential for bullpen being uh, overused and blown out by midseason. And if this team's bullpen reverts to prior years, they're in a lot of trouble. They don't have the starting pitching like they had in 2019. With From one through five, they were going to be able to get seven innings of quality starts. They don't have that right now. And I don't think they're going to have that. And furthermore, this offense, now as it gets healthier, and I saw a stat that in June they're averaging over five runs a game. They're starting to creep up a little bit. They're not dead last in the league anymore. But I still question if it's an offense that could consistently score five runs. I felt like in 2019 they could when Pete was having the big year and McNeil and Conforto. And, you know, when even Todd Frazier had some moments and Rosario was pitching in. It, you know, I don't know. And and you look back, maybe it's just a gut feeling because the way they played in the second half. But, uh, you know, this team has the potential to be much better than that team offensively. J.D. Davis was huge in the second half and was very elite that back then. But let's not forget Cano, who is very, you know, they they could use Cano's bat, guys. I know you guys don't want to hear that. They could use Cano's bat. I don't know if they could use his defense, but they could use Cano's bat. So, um, you know, that's where we're at here. And I want to leave you with this because we're going to get to our guest, and it's a, it's a good one. It's our good friend Rich Mancuso from New York Sports Day. It's been a long time since Rich has been with us. You know, he covers the Mets for a long time, also does a lot of boxing. So if you're a boxing fan, following Rich is always a a treat. But I think back to an article that came out out on Mets blog on SNY.TV. It's really SNY.TV. It's not Mets blog anymore. And it was Andy Martino talking about Brody Van Wagen and the role he played in signing Jacob deGrom, which is a very undervalued contract. I mean, here we are on June 13th, and the guy's got an ERA of a half a run. I don't know when this is going to end, and I got to think that at some point we're staring down the barrel of a really bad outing that will normalize it. Because, I mean, come on, is a guy going to have an ERA under, you know, you know, one and a half, two? I mean, even one and a half is insane for a starter. And usually you could say 1.8, two. That's insane for a starter. Blake Snell had that a few years ago. Uh, that's That's the best you're going to see. And now you're talking about uh, run less than that? That's insane. But what we're seeing here with DeGrom very easily could have been torn away from us. And what we see with the excitement and and the fans coming back and, and this feeling where the love for the Mets and the city is turning with all the stuff going on in the Bronx, with all the uh, bad and boring baseball that they're uh, 
producing over there. And and I think a lot of the Yankees situation is things the Mets can learn from. Because sometimes, you know, you, you, you got to stick with what you got. Don't just always go out there because a player becomes available like a Mike Stanton. Like Mike Stanton, John Carlos Stanton, Mike Stanton. I'm off. That one is 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 a uh, uh, you know Mike Stanton. Here I am thinking about Mike Stanton, John Carlos Stanton, and things like that. Sometimes you got to take a step back and look at all the small moves the Mets have made this off season. And they, it wasn't the plan. The plan was to get Trevor Bauer, not Taiwan Walker. And and look at how Walker and right now is out pitching Bauer for a fraction of the cost. We'll see where it ends on the year. Guys like Pilar and VR, and even it was. Bill Madden, I think, was talking about it in the New York Daily News, where if you go out and get George Springer, which would have been a medium move, you probably don't get the depth of a VR and a Pilar. So sometimes it's about the little things that you do, the little moves, not trying to hit the home run on every single uh, acquisition. It's building a lot of component players throughout the team. And the Mets are able to do that. And they could continue to do that. But I feel things are changing. But this all would have not been part of our conversation right now if everybody in the media got their way. The Mets never hired Brody Van Wagenen. They decided to tear it down, which most people felt they should do after 2018. Trade DeGrom, go Houston Astros, Chicago Cubs, bare bones. And I was vehemently against it because they had the pitching that could compete and win, though that pitching is certainly frayed at this point with no Wheeler and Syndergaard hurt and out. Uh, Matt's gone. And, you know, DeGrom would have been the one guy they would have gone out and tried to trade, and they didn't. And it goes again to show you, you got to read analytics and, and the principles that come with it are important. But you got to have common sense. Just like today you had to have common sense and push Lucchese a little bit. Common Sense said after 2018, a rebuild from a brand standpoint, they were, they were already heading in a position where the Yankees were overshadowing them. They were about to, they would have lost another generation of fans. And now because you did not do that, you put your chips to the center of the table. You leveraged a player agent who tried his hand at being a GM and were able to get a team-friendly contract. Let's see what happens on his re-up. But... You may be building a whole new generation of Mets fans now. I mean, look, here we are. We have guys from the UK uh, listening to this show. I hate to keep going back to that, but we have guys from the UK, and some of them started becoming Mets fans in 2019. They're not going to care about the Mets if they're coming into town and the Mets are 52 games out of uh, first place. But, oh, the Brooklyn Cyclones got some great players that will help you in 2025. You could do both. And maybe the Mets are now. Because for every win you see on the big league club, you could go then after the game and look at Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty down in Brooklyn. And Tyler McGill now, who's up at Syracuse. There may be more talent here than we think. So it's really exciting. It's really exciting, and it all goes back to going for it and continuing to try to field a competitive team every year. And and we will be denied this reopening, this baseball reopening. I kind of felt this weekend was a baseball reopening because of the attendance being bumped up. The weather finally turning and feeling more summer. And the Mets playing a really good team and taking two out of three. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When I come back, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. Let's hear what he has to say about the Mets and more right after this. Doc Gooden had many classic outings as a member of the Mets. What was his best? We asked the man himself when he joined me on the Talking Mets podcast. I think it was 85. I was in L.A., um, I think the score is 2 nothing or 3 nothing, 
and Gary Carter's catching me. I didn't throw a breaking ball into the seventh inning, and I remember the ninth inning, they got a couple guys. It might have been a base load. They got on a couple guys got on base, and they had three lefties coming up. I think I struck two of them out, and then I think Terry Whitfield popped up in the game. I thought that was my best game. You know, looking back at it, just top of my head. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. We're back, and friend of the show joining us. Been a while, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, Latino Sports. He's all over the boxing circuit, so if you're a big boxing fan, this is the guy to go to. And we're going to be talking some Mets baseball just a couple hours after the Mets take two out of three from the Padres. A little bit of a disappointing game here on a Sunday, but Mets are in a good place. Rich, welcome to the show. Now, at this time last year, post-Memorial Day, no baseball, all the uncertainty in the world, all the uncertainty when it came to whether we were even going to see a baseball season. How nice was it this weekend? Not only the Jacob deGrom game, the crowd on Friday, seeing the uh, the crowd uh, on Saturday. Um, even with the loss today, the, the, the ballpark was lively. Uh, it looks like that light at the end of the tunnel, we could, you know, we're here. You know, there's still some work to do maybe, yeah. but we're here. And, uh, you know, even you have, you know, before you got on the air, you were talking about how we may even see you at the ballpark. Yes. Soon. So uh, how you doing? It's nice to see some Goodbye. normal Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, it won't be normal till I get back there. There you and, go. <laughs> I'm going to be back there. I'll be back there when I get back from my trip to Miami this coming week. Cover of Teofimo Lopez, title defense in Miami. Uh, he said, I'll get back because i got to be in the loop. I won't be there as much as I was. There's still restrictions, and... You know, the clubhouse is closed, and I don't think that'll open up again maybe till next year because basically the Mets are not at that 85% threshold. So, uh, I think 16 teams, including them, are still at that point. So that ain't happening. But to be back at the ballpark, be nice, back up in the press box, see the colleagues, and go on the field maybe before the game if you can get a player or two, that's fine with me. Um, but I've been in the loop. I've been in touch with everyone, and I know what's going on. And um, I'm glad that we have a baseball season in its normalcy right now. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and I was saying in the open that in a crazy way, the last month with all the injuries, at one point the Mets had 17 guys on the injured list. There's still some key people that are going to be out probably till after the All-Star break, guys like Carrasco and Syndergaard. Still a little bit of ways away with Conforto. McNeil maybe, you know, is in the on the horizon within the next week. But in a way, it created some resiliency within this team. And even after the loss today, they don't get faced too much about it. Look, you know, they have a talent deficit. They play great defense, whether it's positioning or otherwise. The pitching has been outstanding. The bullpen's been really good. The starting pitching, especially the big three, have been great. And they scored just enough runs. And they're starting to score more. They're scoring a, you know, about five runs a game this month, maybe a shade under. So in a way, the replace the Mets, the makeshift Mets, what we've seen over the last month, it may go down as a key point where this team really uh, built its hard exterior and, and got going as a group. Yeah, Mike, good point. And I'm glad you brought it up. I think every Met fan has to be content, has to be elated about the depth of this team. It's certainly a good predicament that any manager or team would have when the regulars all come back to full force, which is going to happen eventually. And you got to attribute that to this organization and how they rebuilt 
and you, Sandy Alberson and, and, and Zach, uh, uh, Zach Scott, you know, they, they, the G intern 3M who I believe should be made the permanent GM a matter of time. He's done an outstanding job coming out of the Red Sox organization. So they put the depth in place to this team. They made it a better defensive team. We've seen that. And pitching and the bullpen, except for today a little bit, because familiar might be a little overused. And they didn't have the arms they could have used to maybe get the sweep of the Padres. But if you're a Met fan and you looked at the first third of this season, you have to be very content the starting pitching, at least those top three, and DeGrom, um, Stroman, and Walker. The back end maybe a little suspect, oh, well, Casey's coming around. And Peterson reminds me of much of like a Stephen Matz, and he's got to get better. Otherwise, they have to do something by the trade deadline, I think they will. That's a definite need. And this bullpen turnaround, which has been marvelous. I mean, just about everyone out of that pen has done their job. And if you were looking at this before the season, you still had your doubts about that bullpen. You might have had some doubts about the rotation, especially knowing that Carrasco and Syndergaard weren't going to be there. And you might have had some doubts, of course, still going in with the offense. But to tell you the truth, Mike, a lot of these um, bench, the bench gang, as they're calling them, <laughs> the bench was they pretty good. They're them far from expectation, and 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 you really. Yeah, you miss Conforto, you miss Nimmo, and you miss this one and that one. But you know, and JD, of course. But you know what? You really don't miss them that much because this death has helped this team hold first place all of May and going into June in a division that has turned out to be far from better than expected because those other teams are struggling as well. But first place this time in June, three games up in the division, I'll take it. Every Met fan will take. Absolutely. Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, joining us. You mentioned the bench mob and, you know, Billy McKinney, guys like that coming in. What a fine. Yeah, he might be a fine. You know, look, I, I know everybody loves Dom Smith, and, I, and he hasn't gotten off to the start that we expected. And and let's face it, Dom had a good 50 games last year, but still had a lot to prove when the season went to the regular 162. McKinney has to stay, and there's yeah. going to be some tough choices. Peraz is good defensively. Yeah. Can you keep him on the roster? I believe he has an option. Mason Williams is out of options. You know, you may lose him. Uh, there's a lot of uh, questions about when McNeil comes back right. and then Conforto comes back. Uh, I think McKinney finds a way to stay because he'll get scooped up, but yeah. it'll be interesting what they do with Peraza. And then it will be interesting as they get J.D. Davis back and Nimmo. I'm a little bit worried about Nimmo with this. It seems like he's got a um, ligament damage in his finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of – he kind of leaked that out himself. Um, you know, how will these guys adjust to not playing every day, like VR, Pilar, guys like that? But I think they're going to be playing a lot more than they even thought coming in. And and that's why you go out and these, get these kind of guys. But it will be interesting because there will be some tough decisions – I think yeah. McKinney stays unless something drastic happens. You know, we'll oh, see about Peraza. We'll see about yeah. Mason Williams. Probably not, and so on. But uh, it, it is interesting that he had Billy McKinney, who we never would have thought about. Come. No. We never no, talked I, about him. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, I they think, acquire him. Here I he is, a big piece. I think the Milwaukee Brewers might look at the box scores every day, and they say, why did we let him go like that? Sure. Uh, Great find by the Mets, and that goes to show with this front office and the ability to find the right players, 
how they turn this around, what they can do. This guy has power. We know that. We've seen it. Extra base hits. And, you know, what? he's a pretty good defensive outfielder as well. So uh, he's a guy you got to keep in the lineup and a guy that's got to stay on the team now. I, I could see him very easily uh, in that lineup every day. And a predicting just like the Yankees have with Miguel Andujar, uh, that team across town. Because if a guy is giving you the offense and giving you the power uh, and, and just in getting extra base hits, uh, he, that ratio of extra base hits since he's been in the lineup is phenomenal with the number of games he's played. Um, I don't have that in front of me, but it's pretty good. Uh, so you can't let him out of the lineup, and let alone if you keep him on the bench, he's got to get the playing time. Uh, this guy has to play every day, and when he plays every day, he's been shown. You know, when they picked up this guy, I'm going, you know what? A month ago, I said, who is he? I never heard of him. I really know much about him. Well, now we know who he is, don't we? Uh, absolutely, and uh, big stretch coming up. You know, ironically, here we are. We've been talking about the Mets staying afloat when this all went down, all these injuries go down. Stay afloat. Don't get buried. Here they are, even after the loss today and the Phillies beating the Yankees, they're three games up in the division. They're six up in the loss column. They have a lot of games they have to make up. But even if they lost yeah. the majority of their makeup games, they still be pretty much tied in the loss column. They're in really good shape. But now they got this push to the All-Star break. All these days off are going to mm-hmm. come back now. They're going to get like one day off. I think it's 29 games and 28 yeah, days. Into the break, they don't have much. Yeah, they don't no have much. Double. So the bullpen's going to be tested. You saw today they were short. And, yeah. you know, they got that's to, a concern. This, that's a major that's concern. That's a big concern. And, and here's where they got to maybe change the mindset. I think this starts at the front office. I know Rojas is going to get the, 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 the grief because he's the manager, but we know this is a collaborative effort. You got to push your starters a little more. Now, I understand the Grom had the tendonitis. I was very annoyed yeah. on Friday when he came out. I was annoyed a couple of starts earlier when they pulled him against the, the D-backs. And believe me, that's a concern. A and, that, and that is a concern, and, and I think he'll manage it, and let's knock on a lot of wood here. But mm. the concern there is that the Grom is an 80-pitch pitcher I think you're going to see pretty much for the foreseeable future. That's six innings, maybe seven innings with him, but yeah. he's an 80-pitch pitcher. Lucchese, they won't let him go more than five. No, said, I need to go more than five. And you don't know what you're getting out of Peterson. So, and Peterson know, like, is a wild card. Even if yeah. you want a Zap, uh, a Zap Pucky up uh, or, uh, you know, uh, Jared Eikhoff, who knows how much you're going to get. Those guys so, aren't ready, Mike. They're, you know, so, Eikhoff uh, is, is, is a four they're eight, gonna be they're, they're definitely going to be out there. Uh, there's going to be a move or two by the trade deadline. They have to because you bring up the good point. The back end, in particular, of the of the rotation, doesn't go more than five innings, and you can't put that tax on the bullpen that's already been used and used. And uh, no, they're they're performing; it's going to catch up to you. And I think today's game is an example of it. With Jerry's familiar, he comes in, he gives up the you know. Look, familiar is going to strike guys out; he's going to walk guys, but he's been more strikeout effective in the zone. Uh, out of the pen this season. They but pushed today, him way. I no, mean, they, they pushed him too sure much. they did. I would hey, have, he's a one-inning pitcher. I would have uh, went with Lucchese another inning. He had it. And he's right. given the Mets some. His last three, four starts have been – they haven't been great, but they've been better. Right. And I think he could have went another inning and then not taxed the pen so much. But uh, Familia might be feeling it already. He's been used a lot. 
uh, and right. always been effective but up until today. They were on the verge today of sweeping the Padres, which would have sent a tremendous message, not only to the National League, but to Major League Baseball, the whole, the whole league. They were that close yep. to sweeping the Padres. Didn't happen. Yeah, they were. Yep. And, 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 and I mean, it was tough. You know, you got to put some <laughs> the old, you got to put points up on the board when you're yep. short in that bullpen, you know, four uh-huh. guys. But I, I'm, look, I'm an old school guy. I don't expect nine innings. I don't. No. Well, old I like school, to push like pitchers. You're not going like to get nine innings. You're not going to get nine innings from anyone. Very few. No, but Rich, I don't understand why you can't get six out of Luke. I'm not asking for a lot here. I'm asking oh, no. six oh, out of Lucchese. You need why, six why can't I get a hundred pitches out of Degrom? All right, maybe uh, now you got to well, be. Careful. You know what I'm going to say too. You What's know what that? I'm going to say because I write about it all the time. Tell you all the time off the air. Analytics dictates that Lucchese couldn't go another inning. Common and sense, and, and you're really, right. But common sense says you don't have enough relievers today. You don't right? have enough relievers. Give him that one more inning. I, I agree. He's probably a guy. Bartolo Colon was very similar. Bartolo Colon was a guy that you didn't really want going through the third time in the right, right. Uh, same situation. But you know what? You have a unique situation. Sometimes common sense has to be blended. Especially, and I think it's common sense says for yeah. me he's not a two-inning pitcher. He no, never has been. He never, never has, has been. been. Especially when you didn't have Castro available and you didn't have May available and Diaz wasn't available. So you needed to go another inning with Casey, definitely. And, and again, I think that's it, it cost him a sweep of the Padres. Look, early in the season still, one-third done. Uh, a sweep would have been nice, but now it's the Cubs coming in. And the Cubs have been struggling, but the Cubs are also still a viable team in that central division that uh, will, will buy the title. And look, the Mets need as many of these games as they can at least take the series because they're not going to hold on to this division lead. They got to do that because they're not going to be in the wild card. The wild card's not coming out of the East. We know that. It has to be the Mets winning the division or no postseason again. Yep. Absolutely. And I'll tell you another thing that I'd like to see with some of the guys coming back is keeping this infield defense mm-hmm. somewhat intact where that might mean, and this is not a knock on Jeff McNeil's defense, but no. look at Luis Guillerme on Saturday. Peraza mm-hmm. has been very good defensively in his absence. You know, I'm not picking on Dom here, uh, no. but Dom has not shown that he's produced offensively to the point where you have to have him in the lineup. And he's a liability defensively. You yeah. can put Neil in left. You could keep the infield, especially when Strowman's out there. You know, you don't you don't want to mm-hmm. do it all the time. Fine, but mm-hmm. you got to do it when Strowman's out there. Um, but I think the infield defense has been so important. And one of the things about the makeshift Mets, the replacement Mets, is that the defense has been a asset. Now, yes, it could be analytics and, and positioning. So we can't you can't criticize right. analytics on one and not give them the credit on another. But I think now we got used to, hey, what a good defensive team can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to score exponentially more runs with Dominant lineup. I'm sorry. Uh, not, I know right probably, uh, not right now. Not right now. I know. I mean, I, I, Dom I put is, McNeil in the outfield and left yeah. like in 2019, and I keep the infield mm-hmm. defense, mm-hmm. and Dom may have to sit a little bit. And that's he might have to. Again. You know, no DH. Right. It would be different right. than DH. Right. But the defense I, to me I, is so important. It's hard to understand what, why Dom is struggling like this. I mean, 60 games last year. You can't go on a 60-game season to say this player has really become 
what he is. And I'm not knocking Dom, and that's because I'm not partial to him. I know him. I haven't talked to him, but uh, he's a different hitter. You see him approaching the strike zone, and his at-bats are completely different. I think he's chasing too much. Way uh, out the front. Way yeah, out front. yeah. I mean, he's uh, it's just not Dom Smith that we saw last year towards the tail end of 2019, Mike. Um, and I, I don't know how he gets out of this. I don't know how he gets out of it, but, boy, is he a viable and important part of that lineup if he's going to stay in there because he provides the production, the power. Defensively, well, we gotta, we know that. We know that. But his bat has been so important to this team the last year or two. And right now, I look, I, I, you'd have to sit him. I think it's time for Dom Smith that he has to sit. I don't think it's he'd like the idea. I don't think it's something that the Mets really want to be in a position to do. But I think Dom Smith has to well, take a seat a while and try and figure this out. Uh, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, Latino Sports, a guy that's all over the boxing circuit, longtime friend of the show, wanted to get him on. Uh, what a great weekend here of Mets baseball. There was so much stuff to talk about. And we're now, when we go and debate and discuss and talk about team building all off season, this is what it's all about. Watching the games, having fun. Summer's getting underway, and, and, and this is what it's all about. But the Mets do have needs, and, and I vacillate because just a couple of weeks ago, if you had were on the show, I'd say, you know what? Carrasco is in the, in the front view mirror. Uh, Syndergaard's going to be back soon. You know, they don't, they're, not, they're not required to be aces or to be saviors. We just need them to slide in at the back end of the rotation. A bat is what they're going to need. That's what they're going to need. But you know what? I'm wrong because mm-hmm. now the injuries, I'm still worried about J.D. and, and, and Nimmo because they're weird injuries. And I said that, weird injuries that are going to be long-lasting. They may still need a bat, but more importantly, they need a, a starter, at least a starter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's trickier a, because it, you don't want to get. Hard to get, hard to get, and you don't want to get ripped off. You don't want to do a James Shields for Fernando Tatis no. Jr. type of de- no. deal. You mm-hmm. know, everybody talks about Kelnick, but that guy today that hit a grand slam, yeah. he was basically given away, and nobody talks yeah. about it. Jared no. Kelnick hasn't even, you know, can't even be a, a, a fly, fly on no. the you-know-what of, of Tatis Jr. Right now, right now he's an afterthought for Met fans because he's not uh, doing absolutely. it. Absolutely. But I, I, I know Jim Duquette talked about this, but there was some names. So what I've done is I started looking at some second division clubs. I started going mm-hmm. up and down some of the better performers so far this year and say, who's realistic? So some of the names I came up with is Herman uh, Marquez of Colorado, mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson out in Texas, um, you know, maybe Matthew Boyd out of Detroit. Uh, not going to be cheap, any of these guys. Look, these teams know the Mets want to win. They know mm-hmm. that they need a starter. So guys like Alvarez and Beatty, those names are going to come up. Zapucky's name is going to come up. Who knows who else? Maybe Peterson's name comes up. I don't right. know. But is there a name that you're looking at? It's very early, but I'm starting to marinate on certain names. Yeah. And obviously some of these guys have, have contracts that may extend past this year, well, which could impact it. them re-signing re- Strowman, re-signing yeah. Syndergaard. It's right. not just about this year. So are there any names that you're marinating on out there? Well, I really haven't looked at it to the extent that you have. I, a guy like Justin Sheffield I would love to see. You know, Seattle Sheffield. Uh, that's one guy that maybe, uh, you know, I, I like Sonny Gray. He didn't work out in New York here with the Yankees, but the Reds are 
they're making a move right now. So I don't know if the Reds would part with Sonny Gray or, you know, a guy like, uh, I'd love to see Johnny uh, Cueto, but he's not going to. You know, and the guy I'd love yeah. to see, and I know that the pieces they got have been pretty good, but Steven Matz, I sure as heck miss him. And I know Sean Reed Foley's been good. Well. And Yancy Diaz. <laughs> you're not going to get Matz now. He's in Toronto. Oh, no, he's happy That's there, kinda, and he's not having a bad year as well. He's not though. having a bad year. He still gives up his little runs here and there, but. He's, Seven he's, and three. Been holding his own. Yeah, no, he hasn't been. He has. He's been the consistent Stephen Matt that we know of, but but a little better up with with the Blue Jays. So you know, I really haven't examined who they would go after, but there are two things to this. Every team needs pitching, especially in in, when you're contending. Uh, We still have a ways to go before the non-waiver trade deadline, Mike. What are the pieces you have to give up that you're going to get back? And you don't want to borrow someone to give away what you're going to give away. And the Mets have done that over the last few years where they've given up some good, valuable players to get what they needed to fill a gap uh, at the trade deadline. Some have worked, some have haven't. So um, nobody is going to come back to the Mets and say, hey, we'll give you this, but you got to give us that instead. That's what they're going to want. And really, who can the Mets give up to get a viable starter that will help them in that back end as we move along. I, I, it's something that I'm sure the front office is looking at every day. They're on the phones, and I know that they do it. They're going to do it the right way, and they're not going to spend stupidly, nor are they going to expense stupidly. I think they're going to do the right thing. This new regime seems to be really doing well. Uh, the Mets front office, from the analytical department. That a, I lot can't calm, a lot of calm. A lot of calm. There yeah, was some drama. Yeah. yeah. The Porter thing and then the, the sexual harassment and some yeah, of the, yeah. you know, some I mean, of the other stuff that the athletic dredged up, which I thought, you know, I think this is, I, I think this is better. What they have now in the front Quiet. office is better yep. than what they had. And they're handling yep. things the right way with the media, with, with the things that have been going on with the adversity, most of all, the way they've built this team with the depth that has kept this team where they are. True, the division is mediocre and everyone is struggling. And if the Phillies went on a big run or the Braves were capable to do what they had to do, perhaps the Mets wouldn't be where they are right now. But I'm not taking anything away from the way the Mets have done, performed this uh, first third of the season because this death that they've got with all the injuries shows they are a team that will contend and be in there till the end. You mentioned there's a lot of silliness in baseball. And I'll tell you this uh, sticky stuff, and you wrote about it at New York Sports Day. So earlier today, Ken Rosenthal reports that it's imminent. And maybe by the time this show uh, is broadcast, it's already come down. But it's imminent that they're going to do some punitive measures for those pitchers that use sticky stuff. Something that's been going on. Despite what Conforto said. (laughs) Now, now I missed What did Conforto say? What did Conforto say? Well, you know, he's claiming that uh, they changed the baseball to go about the contracts. You know, Alonzo, right. Alonzo, right. Right. Not Conforto. Alonzo. Alonzo, right. And I I heard what Alonzo said. I wish they'd stop messing around with baseball, stop messing around with the game. But, um, you know, and I'll get to that in a minute because it's interesting how we talk about how offense is down but you know in 1988 the the, the league averaged 3.8 runs per game right kind of what the mets are averaging now i don't remember anybody complaining when i was a young fan in 1988 i don't no. remember 
Um, and there wasn't any sticky stuff and maybe steroids were just being introduced. But what I yeah. laugh about is that we always have to go to the extreme in baseball. Here's a manager telling right. Rosenthal that maybe they should have TSA style uh, check-ins for pitchers before they get in, in the clubhouse. I mean, what are they going to go through like an x-ray machine? Uh, oh. I mean, it's so absurd. And then here's the best part. If you get yeah. caught with the sticky stuff, they're going to confiscate your uniform. So I'm going to ask you, are they going to undress the guy on the mound like he's in Guantanamo Bay? And they're going to lead him out with his jock strap? I mean, come on. It's insane. It's I mean, insane. The things they put, you know, they go from. You know, the thing is, this has been going on for years. I remember <laughs> growing up with Gaylord Perry. I saw it. Uh, how many times Gaylord Perry had sticky stuff wherever it was and. Uh, you know, this just goes to show more the problem that MLB has. And, and this doesn't help them with the game. And they're trying to see, you know, what we got to do here. You know, it's either good pitching out there with the hitting or vice versa. And every time something like this comes up, it just makes Major League Baseball look more foolish and foolish by the day. Um, I don't know where this is going to go. All I know is it's going to be implemented, Mike, and it's going to be trouble it might slow up the game with something that they don't want uh the umpires are going to have the discretion of doing this i think i understand from what i read in between innings during the tv breaks uh to see you know and they'll decide how many baseballs they're going to look at and examine i mean um might as well just examine every baseball that goes into play if they want to do yeah. that yeah. but i it, but, but rich i mean think about what i just said in 1988, the league averaged three – this is the National League. I didn't bring up the American mm-hmm. League, but 3.88 runs per game. 3.88. Well, that's – yeah. The, the number one team in runs per game that year were the Mets, who won 100 games at 4.39. Uh, the Mets this year are averaging – and I'm, gonna, I'm flipping back and forth here – 3.86. So the mm-hmm. Mets this year are averaging like two-tenths of a run less than what the National League averaged in 1988. And uh, the Mets in 1988 would be league average. Yeah. League average today. So uh-huh. I'm like, we're, we're, maybe we're overreacting. So sometimes the media creates the problem. Yes, the game is slower. Yes, uh, there's less you know contact. Um, I think the game is slower for a lot of little nuanced reasons. And some of that is just players taking more time, more thinking. Yeah, but I look I look at the box scores every day, and I don't see many. I see a lot of games that have picked up the pace. I see times 225, 221. I'm not seeing many three-hour 50 games. Well, the Met game today was as long as could be. But uh, if the game is picked, I've seen a, a more rapid pace with the game time-wise. And, again, a lot of it is, too, is if you're going to count the uh, game delays, it's because of uh, the commercials. I mean, you have two, three-hour, three, three minutes of breaks in between innings so uh, it's just another one of those problems the game will never be an hour and 50 minutes unless you're playing seven innings which i kind of like the seven inning double headers i like that yeah i mean that's going to favor the mets if you got degrom and stroman and with some of the bullpen situation you got you know we didn't even bring that up earlier but with the sticky stuff you know you Mm -hmm. talked to some people at an article at new york sports day right and look it's out of control i get it and maybe they didn't intend with sunscreen and Gaylord Perry's spit and rosin, one thing. Spider tack, pelican, uh, pelican dip grip, uh, mm-hmm. different situation. And Jerry Cole basically, which I knew because I heard people say Houston taught a class on this stuff, 
three years ago. I don't know how the media didn't pick up on it, if I knew it. Yeah. Uh, basically admitted it uh, to the media. Where I mean, I don't think it's as bad. I think it's worse than steroids in the sense because it's fundamentally something that can absolutely enhance performance. Steroids, they don't always don't know what they enhance. Yeah, you make a guy have more energy, but if you can't hit, you can't hit. Mm-hmm. I know there was an enhancement with steroids, but to me, this is worse because this can be one-to-one scientifically implemented where steroids are implemented as a drug, but you don't know how that's going to translate to you on a field. You don't no. know how to be a better player. No, we don't now, know. Some, really. you, know, you have no idea. I mean, I mean, how many pitchers are using sticky substances? Still, we just don't know that. Uh, you go. We're all going on uh, on speculation until they caught red-handed. I mean, some of them had over the last few years. I bring up uh, Severino of the Yankees and uh, uh, Giovanni Palacios. Just, that just happened to him with the cap. Um, Mike, this is a problem Major League Baseball has. Either the offense is not doing well or the pitchers are overpowering, which we've seen. It even gotten to the point this past week where you're seeing things on social media that have gone viral about Jacob deGrom, that he's a part of this. And that's why his numbers are so phenomenal the way they are in this generation of pitching. So I don't know what to make of it. All I know is this. This is not as sticky as an issue, if you mind me saying that, as a steroid issue was. Because those guys, as I wrote, they were denying it, and they were caught red-handed in the end. And I used to see in the clubhouses years ago those illegal substances right above their locker stalls. I sure. saw things, creams and everything else. Right. At pitchers work locker stalls the last few years, uh, I, you know, I haven't been there last year or this year, but prior, I saw things there too, but um, creams, that, that's it. I, I think they hit. most of these guys were doing things that are hidden or – and some of the pitchers I have talked to over the last two weeks that I know, former and current, have not denied it to me. I'm not going to mention names. He says, but they said to me, just like one of them said to me, and I found this interesting. Again, we all do it. That was the comment. And I believe them. I do believe them. They all do it. And that might, again, just speculation, be contributing to the, the overpowering pitching numbers that we're having in baseball today. And contributed to six no hitters but it's also you know what information is power and understanding uh, heat zones with all the cameras that work on grips understanding how to pitch technology and analytics has been so much more beneficial i think to pitchers because hitting is always going to be hard Mm -hmm. you could you know even if you know what's coming sign stealing right you you still you still got to hit the ball and it's not easy Right. It was a video of Jack Leiter. Here's an amateur. Jack Leiter throwing a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. This thing went, and I'm like, whoa. On the video, I'm like, whoa. I mean, it's amazing how hard it is to hit. So I think we oversimplify and try to say that's the smoking gun. If they want to legislate it because it's out of control, I have no problem with it. Is it going to create a 1999 offensive environment? No, of course not, because the steroid situation uh, with energy levels and uh, you know the ability to rejuvenate, not be tired, stay focused. I mean, those are things that you're never going to get back. You know, you can't, there's not enough Red Bull in the world to do that. So I think sometimes things are cyclical and we panic and then we try to retrofit everything. Messing with the baseball to me is worse, I think, 
And I don't know, you know, Pete kind of came out of left field with the whole, you know, they're doing it for yeah. free agency. Look, guys, no, don't they don't that. have to mess around with the baseball. You know what they have to do no, to, no. To, to, to mess around with free agency? Close the wallet. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's twofold here, and you're going to hear different sides of the story. And when this finally takes effect, which I think will be all implemented in the next week from what I read and heard today, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of questions asked once, once the baseballs are being scrutinized more and once umpires are looking at taking balls out of play. And then I wait for the first suspension because of this. I want to see how the Major League Players Association reacts to this and how this is going to continue into their new collective bargaining agreement, which expires in December. And that's going to be a nasty war that I think really, not only because of the baseball stinky issue, but other things, it's going to delay the start of 2022 season. I think there's going to yep. be a rift in the ranks and both right. stubborn parties where – we're not going to have baseball right away next year. And, I mean, that's just the way the game is. It's, it explains a lot about uh, sports and business right now and where it's going. And I think, you know, old school like you, Mike, I think it's – I can't accept it. But yeah. we're here and we have to accept it. And the, it is what it is, as they say, right? Yep, absolutely. So what do you got coming up next, uh, New York Sports Day? Latino sports. I know you're heading down uh, to uh, yeah. Miami. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing some boxing uh, this weekend in Miami, this coming week. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez title defense. Uh, and I'll uh, be writing some Mets stuff this week on New York Sports Day, so you can look out for that and Latino sports. I'm, I'm out there, Mike. I'm not done and out. I'm still here. The relic is still here, Mike. We love you having you on. The one guy from the Bronx that we could stand because the only you might oh, be yeah. the best fan in the Bronx, you know. Uh, no, it, I'll tell you the truth. No, there's more than one. There's, they've, I've come a lot of, of course, a lot of them. Especially if I walk around with a Mets shirt on and I see it and I hear it. There's a lot of enthusiasm for the Mets, and when it comes Absolutely. to the Bronx, it shows it even more. And and Francisco Lindor is turning out. He's starting to get there. Um, you'd like to see more home runs and he's getting there, but he's getting on base more. And I don't know if you're going to see many more of those 0 for 3, 0 for 4 games from him. I think he's finally getting, got it going, which is good. I just hope this team can get 100% healthy with the debt they have and everything else and win a division title. They, they've they been long coming, and I think this team's got a lot of depth and a lot of ability to do it, Mike. Well, Rich, listen, I appreciate you coming on this Sunday night. Be well. I'm glad to see you. Let's do it again. And a lot of All baseball and a lot of stuff to talk about. I will have a Stop lot of fun being this a stranger. I'd like to talk to you more. All okay? right, buddy. Be and well. Let's go talk Mets. Let's go Mets. I try not to be partial, but, you know, <laughs> let's go Mets. All right? We, are, we try to be fair and balanced here. Be All well, right, Rich. Always a pleasure. Bye. That's uh, Rich Mancuso. Good stuff there from Rich. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five, because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. 
All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Great stuff from Rich Gavitt. Thank you. So, again, these are conversations, and nothing makes me happier than when you know somebody will reach out to me and say, hey, I was listening to your show, and the time flew by so fast. Because sometimes I look, you know, we do over an hour sometimes, and those are part in, in due to the team providing us with great content, but also the great guests that come on and the conversations we have. And I really enjoyed them. And I always appreciate anytime someone comes on and, and gives their time. And Rich is an old friend, great guy. Glad to hear he's doing better. He's covering teams, you know, like, like so many other people during the pandemic, Rich was uh, grounded, you know, covering sports remotely. And when that part of your routine goes away, you'll learn to really appreciate it, I think, coming back. But you also feel for these these guys because it's also your structure. And it's almost like, okay, wh- what do I have? You know, it's it's tough. And Rich and I talked a lot about it. And it was frustrating for him. He understood why from a health and safety standpoint, but it was so frustrating. And, and now they're letting reporters back down on the field. And I don't know if Clubhouse is going to come back so soon. I think Zoom is going to be a component of coverage going forward with the teams. But be that as it may, you know, we'll see that. So, um, anyway, uh, want to uh, give a few shout outs to uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, individuals that were kind enough to leave reviews. Uh, John Rini, Mike does a thorough job of evaluating what's going on. He has an honest perspective on the team's status. He raises interesting questions and keeps the listeners engaged in the show. Thank you, John, for leaving a review. Five stars. Why would you give the Talking Mets five stars? I'm just joking. Josh S. Mike is both knowledgeable and fair, which is rare in today's media. While columnists in the Post and the Daily News root for drama and clicks, Mike is informative and accurate. I highly recommend the pod as an effective foil to the traditional media that covers the Mets. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for listening. Great five-star review. Um, Let's see. I actually had – I'm going through here. I'm going to my Chartable account. And ironically – there is a review from Billy1872. Uh, Mike is the kind of guy you can meet in a bar, and before you know it, it's closing time, and you've been there all day. Sure, he's media-type knowledgeable, but what comes across more than that is that he's a fan. A must-listen, in my opinion, for Mets all over, and especially of those of us in foreign countries. I think Billy's from the UK. Great stuff, Billy. Thanks so much. And that's the whole point of the show. I want to be objective. I want to be a, you know, independent media. You heard Rich say, let's go Mets. And, you know, we were laughing and joking. But deep down, that's what makes us good because we can root for the team deep down. You know we're rooting for the team, not going to lie. Not root against them. And we can still be partial, uh, impartial and knowledgeable. And I think the passion comes through, and that's what's missing from those that cover teams but are disassociated from the product. I really believe that. Um, and then G-Man37, I don't know if I gave you a shout-out last week. And if I gave you a shout-out last week, I will uh, I will certainly, you know, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with two shout-outs. But uh, Mike Silva's Talking Mets is the go-to New York Mets podcast. Mike offers his frank review of the players, the team, and management on a weekly basis. Good place to check in on what's going on with the Mets and MLB. Been listening for a while and check weekly during the season. I think I gave you a shout-out last week. And I think you said that you only check in, you, you kind of check out in the offseason. Well, there's tons of fun in the offseason. Check back in every week, whether it's Christmas, New Year, Thanksgiving, 4th of July. So, hey, G-Man, we love you. So, there you go. 
All right. I want to thank everybody for joining me today. I want to thank our friend Rich Mancuso for taking a few minutes after the Mets game to uh, have a nice conversation. Mike Silva's Talking Mets Conversations. Of course, you can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.